Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 33 of the Ask LFC podcast, which is wild uh, that we have made it this far. We are sitting, uh, My name is Harrison Gilming, I'm the worship arts director here at Lake Forest Huntersville, sitting down with... Hey, Mike Moses, lead pastor of the Lake Forest family of churches, lead and teaching pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. Good to be with you on episode 33, Harrison. This is Wednesday morning, the morning after the election. Hey, here's where we're headed today with the podcast, Harrison. I'm really excited to welcome in a guest uh, who is a certified financial planner and a ministry partner here at Lake Forest, and he has some really interesting insights. He sits across the table with people of how they prioritize money, what their money weaknesses are, and strengths. And so as a follow-up to our sermon series on money in October, we're going to just hear super insider stuff. It's funny if you think back to when we started on this podcast, we, we had about three normal episodes before COVID happened to us. <laughs> That's right. And normal, then, yeah. And then from then on, you know, our ongoing theme has kind of been, I mean, here at the church too, we settled down a little bit. But our ongoing theme has been, what the heck, man? It's what the heck, and it's what's happening now could be different from what's happening in five hours from now. So as you said... You know we're we're right now in the middle of the of the tension of the moment, and it's yeah. just the perfect picture for the year. <laughs> yeah. So no commentary necessary. Um, I'm I am privileged in my work, Harrison, to immerse myself for the rest of the week in First Peter chapter two, and uh, arrive on Sunday, and I look forward to meeting with the people of God. I'm gonna need it. It'll be good for all of us, and. Uh, Already, my pre-reading of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, it's redonkulous that it's relevant for this moment. Mm. Whichever way the election goes, what we know is our populace is fairly well divided. There was no landslide one way or the other. And that's just a fact to deal with as our, as our nation and honestly as our church. And I look forward to grappling with that. And letting First Peter chapter two shine through. Can I tell you uh, when I got up this morning, I joined Angie on our back porch. Can I tell you what she read to me? Yep. My wife. Um, so she's going through First Peter with our congregation because that's our series, and we've invited everyone to do that devotionally. So I went and joined her on the porch this morning, and she reread to me First <laughs> uh, Peter. One, which Mitch taught last Sunday, starting with verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Punchline. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Hmm. My wife gifted me <laughs> with that portion of chapter 1 this morning, and, and then one of our staff gifted me with a text that said, uh, a meme 
It said, if I hear one more evangelical pastor say, Jesus is Lord and God is on the throne in response to the election, I'm going to throw up. And I thought that was pretty funny, so I'm not going to do that. But it's true. But it is true. You can't, you can't not say it's true. Um, little, little sneak peek of, uh, of where we're going today here in episode 33. Uh, we wanted to just take a couple minutes. Uh, Mike and Susan Arrington, our, uh, our communications guru, uh, spent some good time really unpacking on Sunday some of the results from uh, the congregational survey we did. We want to share a couple extra thoughts on that. Uh, and then we're going to uh, phone a friend today and have a little conversation. We're going to phone in a friend. We're going to do a wrap-up of the sermon series on the Bible and money. And we're going to talk to a dude who's an expert who talks to people about that all day long, who's a ministry partner here. That'll be really fun. Can I tell you, though, my favorite thing I got to do on election night last night? What's that? It was lead the Bible study with our 20-something community group out under the tent. It was cold. It was cold. Yep. Um, What a—I just love that group of people. As an example, an exemplar of a God's Word-centered community group at Lake Forest, just there were 20-something of 20-somethings out under the tent last night. And then what was really fun, too, was every now and then we hear this loud, <laughs> and there was a one of our women's oasis groups has been meeting in the pergola on Tuesday nights. And so when 20-something was over, I snuck over there just to see who is in that group and and just be like, well, it was this really neat intergenerational hmm. group of women studying the book of James. It was their last night. Paige Stock, I think, was the leader. And uh, I just said, well done. Seeking Christ-centered community, studying God's Word in a pandemic, and doing it safely. Like, both groups were outside. Yep. Uh, 20-something's going to have to move indoors. But that... My heart was full, Harrison, when I went home. I didn't get home till nine or something. My heart was full with that. Um, so election stuff couldn't bring me down. Our our community group is actually on the same night. Uh, oh, okay. Been meet, been meeting in the parking lot at the church, and really? we about an hour ahead of time, we all realized that uh, that the polls were still open. We we meet out in the very back. Kids all bring bikes. We sit in a you know, circle I've with our lawn chairs. That. I didn't know who it was. Yeah, and uh, the last minute, we're like, you know, with the election traffic, <laughs> our kids are all wild. Maybe, maybe we'll hold off for now, and we'll we'll do it next week instead. But we would have been we would have been group three on campus if we would have oh. not pulled the late. I would have. My heart would have been full. I know, I know. Harrison. You would have you would have had one of my kids uh, riding a bike right up to your group. It'd have been great. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, it was cold. Y'all probably made a good call yeah it's getting chilly out there all so. right so the uh check the e-note this week we will recap we'll we'll re uh we'll have a clip mm-hmm. of susan and i doing the q a after worship breaking down your a's to our q's about moving forward harrison what's your takeaway uh my big takeaway of reading through the results um i have two of them number one uh i think that our church body is such a, it's just such a perfect little slice of where we all are right now. There were some questions that, given the the circumstances of what's happening here in the building, are, are what they are. That's a data point that's like fixed. Mm-hmm. So we would have a certain 
question that has to do with that point and ask two people what they think about it. And we would have clearly written comments of two people that see it completely opposite. Mm -hmm. They're seeing the same thing differently. And I think that that's just, um, that's a good picture of where we are right now, which is what, you know, what's, what, what makes this season even of ministry for us on the staff side, uh, Mm -hmm. very challenging and difficult because we know by the nature of even us being Christ followers, doubly so being in ministry, there is, there is absolutely about no position you can take on any, any issue. We joked about this with peanut butter, crunchy and smooth peanut butter, but there really is no issue that you can take that's not going to be on somebody's wrong side. So we're, we're just trying to navigate the waters. External forces in our culture and our flesh, our old man in each of us, our old man or woman are all, um, have all combined to heavily politicize most things right mm-hmm. now. It's something that all of us are dealing with in our personal lives and our families with Thanksgiving, et cetera. And we're dealing with that in church leadership and we're trying to do so sensitively, um, not lead with our own opinions and and yet discern our major decisions forward in unity with elders, pastors, and staff. And we appreciate all of your affirmation. We also appreciate um, your your forbearance of mm-hmm. decisions we're making because, um, uh, as you said, everyone is, our church is all over the map, and, and that means that a lot of our congregation are being forbearing with some things that they wish we would do differently, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, and, and to, to clarify, on some of those things, that there's not a right or a wrong. Those Both those people mm-hmm. on the extreme of their view could be completely justified and feeling as impassioned as they do about the the circumstance, the way they're... Pro- I'm, I'm not saying that, man, we have half the people that are dead wrong and half of them that are right there. Like, what... There's some some of this is just that's so gray, and what we've been trying to be really clear about on our end is as it relates to everything with church and COVID, is you can trust us to be as safe and responsible as we can be, and we're going to trust you, our 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 church, to be as careful and responsible as you need to be given your convictions, your circumstance, yeah, that's right. the people that you're living with in your house who may or may not be yeah. high risk. What like we're, we're all trusting each other on that's this right. right now. Yeah. And it's not great, uh, that we need to be masked and, uh, show distance. We need to, when we gather in any way here, um, that's, you know, uh, and we need to, we're sanitizing down. We have a, after any event in any room here, including Sunday morning, one of our uh, leaders comes through with a Ghostbuster-looking backpack. That's yeah, awesome. And <laughs> fogs everything down. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's super cool. Um, so, looking ahead, we had a big kind of summit meeting with some of our staff leaders yesterday, and what we are shooting for in the new year is... Um, Net-net, if the wave two of the coronavirus, I don't know what you call it, if it's wave two or if this is the tail of wave one, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whatever's happening right now is not good. ERs are filling up. Um, our own ministry partner who's battling coronavirus right now, 
for her very life, was not able to get into an, an ICU bed here at Novant Hospital Huntersville mm-hmm. the moment that they wanted her to because it, it was full. So that that's happening two miles from here um, and in our community. What our ideal is, is that in January we move, we add a second in-person worship experience, worship and online experience, and that we're able to offer in-person children's ministry in very small groups. We got a lot of rooms, dude. Ministry partners, y'all, we're also generous. We got a lot of rooms, and so we can do that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're scenarioing that out. Um, Our ideal will be to start that the early January but we'll have to read the pandemic. But that's our desire. Um, we we want safely to have more of you in person together. Yeah, that's that's been <clears throat> that's been one. I had like a I had like a moment of of realization on 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 part of the whole pandemic thing. Is it was the first week that the Carolina Panthers were allowing fans back in the stadium at their very, at their limited number. And um, on the morning of the game, I was just curious. So I went. I didn't. I didn't want to attend the game, but I, I wondered this question. I know where you're I, going. I'm curious to hear what you say. I have a weird thing with sports. Where I I'm I'm always curious. Just I hardly ever go, but I'm I'm always like I wonder what it would cost to get in the uh-huh. building today. Oh, I'm super and, interested to hear this, Harrison. And normally, almost always for a Panthers game, if you want to go to a Panthers game on the day of the game you're going to StubHub or you're calling your buddies, be like, does anybody have an extra ticket? Right. Um, there were only 7,000 tickets total available. And on the morning of the game, you could go to the Panthers website and buy a ticket from them. Are you serious? So it wasn't even... <clears throat> How those, much was it? Uh, like 100 bucks, And it wow. was all lower bowl. They're only Seriously? doing lower bowl. So I looked at that. And that leads to my second takeaway from the survey, which is is just like uh, wow. Early on, we 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 joked here when when we first shut down, we were like, "Man, wouldn't it be crazy if we were still shut down by Easter?" <laughs> like looking <laughs> back, obviously, 12th, yeah. yeah. And we laugh about it. The second takeaway, Panthers game slash survey, is just looking at it and just once again realizing and looking at the fact that it doesn't matter what what the thing is if it's a panthers game if it's attending church if it's if it's going to school for a lot of families there's just there's just a lot of folks that aren't uh ready to get out and start interacting again and the bummer is that 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 there's nothing we can do about it The, the the thing that just hurts our hearts as 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 people who walk with people through this stuff is that the desire for connection is still there in people, but it's like this kind of quiet desperation of like, I want to be around people, but I can't. That's really helpful. The percent of people and not filling up all the tickets offered for a Panthers game. That's really similar to our percentages. We've only, it'd be helpful for you all to know, we offer 180 reserve slots in person in the room for Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. That has only filled up and closed out once. Mm-hmm. We've come close to it almost every week. Um, that's very similar to Panthers. That's helpful. That's just where people are. Friends, is part of the suffering of the pandemic. It's a suffering time. And God's Word has a lot to say to us about how to be faithful in suffering, 
about how to allow God to use it to form us. And I think that should be our focus as well as um, it's also okay to focus on getting out of it as quickly as is safely possible. Um, so this this is, a, if you think back to our sermon series after Easter, we thought that it was appropriate during a pandemic to focus on the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in our lives. And one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is long-suffering uh, or, or forbearance. Um, and we need to be a people who are long-suffering. That means that we choose to remain faithful. We don't, um, we don't fake ourselves like, hey, this is done. I'm not doing this anymore because everybody's getting weary. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're tempted to take fake solutions to it. And the scriptures tell us that the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us is to be long-suffering. Under whatever condition of the fallen world we're under right now, and this is it. And I'm, So I'm praying for that myself, and I pray that for you, friends. Hey, it's time to phone a friend. We've phoned in a longtime ministry partner at Lake Forest and a super cool guy, Jason Newsom. How are you, Jason? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well. Uh, Jason is a certified financial planner and wealth uh, management advisor. Uh, he has his own practice through with Northwestern Mutual. Um, Jason's been here, part of our prayer ministry, a number of other things. And then Jason, you and I were part of a, a Bible study group of some business owners talking about how yes, to be sir. a kingdom builder through your work. And that's how you and I got to know each other actually really well. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, here's my favorite thing about Jason is... On uh, Halloween night and the day after, since I don't have kids of my own now, uh, to dress up, and I can't be my sparky self. I just, I like Facebook ghosted everybody at Lake Forest. And pretty much the family that I think maybe wins the prize out of Lake Forest people was the Newsome family. Jason, can you tell everybody what y'all dressed up as? Yes, so my daughter uh, was Sandy. Uh, from Greece, so we went a went a little old school there. And uh, Maddox was a uh, a zombie hunter, so we had to uh, negotiate some of the gruesomeness uh, out of it. Uh, but but he was able to uh, go as a, a zombie hunter. So uh, so we got a lot of recognition from Sandy. Uh, we we went old school, and uh, and it worked out well. <laughs> fun times, fun times. That was a good one, um, Jason. We're uh, I thought of you just we we did our series last month, the month of October, on what does God's word say about money and how can that be part of the abundant life in Christ? Right. If we if we lean into God's plan and Jesus' teaching on how to handle money, it's an important part of our life. In our culture, we sort of grow up and and we're taught to not talk about money. Maybe even, you know, like, don't talk about sex, don't talk about money, don't talk about politics. <laughs> and and that can lead to some kind of jacked up stuff when you get married and, and you're actually combining uh, yes, household absolutely. finances, uh, how do you talk about it, etc. So uh, thank you for coming in here. I'm going to ask, J- so Jason sits with people at, at, the, at their biggest honking financial decisions of their life, and I thought we just hear some perspective from him about how North Charlotte people do handle money in good and bad ways. Is, is, so can I just ask you some really clear questions? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, go for it. First of all, why are you in this work? What, what attracted you to it? 
Well, I, I think truly, you know, if you look back, I think personally, you know, my family uh, has struggled in different areas financially. Um, and um, I got into this business for the glamour of it. I wanted to work on Wall Street. I wanted to be an investment banker. Um, but I married a good Southern woman with uh, with some great smarts and uh, way smarter than I am. Uh, and she made it clear we were having having kids here. So uh, so we, we, we took a took a step back and said, hey, how can we be influential uh, within families to kind of overcome these goals? And and personally, how can I use the talents of, of working with individuals that I enjoy doing? Um, that Christ has given me, and how, how can we make things better within the Christian community as it relates to finances? I think this is a an area that a number of people, uh, Christians specifically, struggle with. Um, I think their heart is in the right place, and sometimes their actions don't follow that. So, how can we how can we make sure that those actions line up with our heart's intent um, and accomplish some good things for the kingdom? Jason, that's that's a just a helpful example for all of us of a uh, how to have a kingdom mentality uh, overarching whatever your profession is. Um, and thank you for that. Uh, that's really helpful to hear. I've never asked you that question exactly that way. Um, well, okay. Let's so let's get right to that. What are I'm not going to recap the sermon series, but um, sure. what are what are some of the most common uh, mistakes or hangups or foolishness of the kind of people that we are around all day, every day, because we live in this area, that you see in the area of money? Yeah, so I think if we look at in terms of, of, of weaknesses, I, I, you, could, you can almost plot the weaknesses of of the families over to the strengths of the other families. So you can see that the kind of oppositeness of that. Um, but I would say they, they really break down into three key areas and, and each of these are kind of a tripod that, that are all kind of play off of each other. Um, but I would tell you first and foremost, um, lack of communication is, hmm. is a big one. And you would say, why, why wouldn't it be making more money? Why wouldn't it be contributing to a 401k? Um, I would say lack of communication, and this is, um, we'll talk about this here in a minute, but I think this is lack of communication with ourselves. Um, and if we're in a family, it's definitely lack of communi- communication with our with our spouse. Um, we get busy day to day, and that busyness can take us away, and that busyness is certainly an easy excuse for every one of us. We're all guilty of that. Um, Jason, that, can I ask? That communication can lead to stress. Um, and sometimes, you know, we just had uh, or, or almost completed a political election last night. Um, and sometimes the fact that we don't have any news is worse than at least accepting the bad news. So mm-hmm. that anxiety of not knowing can create a bigger challenge within our financial self, within our relationships, than if we just kind of put it all out on the table and had that openness. Jason, you sit across the table probably from couples we're talking about primarily here. Do you find that in the, uh, and that's really helpful, that this is exactly why I did the last sermon on clarifying your values yeah. of money at, uh, for yourself and within a family. Do you find that in, in when there's a lack of communication about finances, does one or the other spouse usually just go ahead and make a big decision by themselves and, and, and then they all live with the fallout of that? How, how do how does this sound like when they're sitting in front of you dealing with their yeah. hard reality? 
Yep, that's exactly right. One of the strengths, I would say, if we kind of jump ahead quickly on that, is the opposite of that is open communication within a family. You know, we want to, as as a church and as a church body, you know, one, one of the principles we stand on is we give we give each other grace within within the community, right? So so open communication can also give us grace within our within our finances um the the golf trip isn't quite as amplified the the starbucks run or the target purchase isn't quite as amplified if we've if we've communicated and we Mm -hmm. know where we're heading as a couple and as a family it gives us that little bob and weave opportunity within the finances that as long as they're reasonable expenses um we we aren't as stressed out about having those uh, happen so so that grace is huge and it, it is a it, it is more of a psychological benefit than a financial benefit but it impacts hmm. the finances greatly if that makes sense that's interesting are you saying that this is irrespective of whether a couple uh is say a um you know a, a low to middle upper class income or high middle upper class income or they're High, high, high net worth people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would definitely, I would definitely say um, the the, and I, I kind of joke that the numbers, the zeros that after the comma may be different on a couple's paycheck on a month to month basis, but these same strategies apply no matter if you're worth ten million dollars or you're ten thousand in the hole. Mm-hmm. These same strategies should be should be implemented in the basic levels of any financial strategy within a, within a family. Hmm. Super helpful to hear. What, what are, uh, I think you, you alluded to some other very common pitfalls, uh, yeah, for, where for, people for kind of, kind of second, ignore God's word here. I, w- I would tell you, um, I'm going to apologize in advance because half the listeners are going to cut, cut this off as soon as I say this word. <laughs> um, but, but budgeting, um, and, and when I say budgeting, so listeners don't cut off, hang in there. But when I say budgeting, I don't mean tracking every penny. Um, it's, it's again, it's having some awareness of what's going in and out of the house on a daily basis. And the financial piece of it is very easy. Everybody can add, everybody can subtract. So this isn't a numbers <laughs> thing. I mean, most it of goes, us. Most it goes back to the psychological benefit of understanding where we stand as a family. I, I've heard a budget described. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but if if you think about it too, you know, budgeting. Cami's covered this, you know, in her series as well. Is it's a biblical principle. Yeah. You know, it talks about it talks about in, in Luke who who goes and builds a tower and doesn't first take account of the of the cost. So when you can't finish it, you know, all is going to laugh at you. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, you know, Proverbs it talks about what king goes against another army and doesn't first take account of his soldiers. Um, so just having some some awareness of, of where we are again allows us to have, to be open from a communication standpoint um budgeting can can pull back the curtains in some pretty dark areas of our life financially right areas that we wanted to avoid um er- areas that we can't uh, avoid and we've got to bring up or it may open up old wounds from past relationships or how we grew up financially um that that's an impact for me um so so that budgeting piece helps more psychologically than it than it does financially it has a great impact financially but it allows us to to take that stress down just a little bit and and again we're, we can input some more grace into this conversation which is which is freeing for everybody jason when people come to you for some wealth management or investment 
they're, they're looking to invest in their long-term future. Are they surprised when you get around to the subject of budgeting? Because that's not why they came to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is kind of one of the things that we always talk about with, with every client. And and, um, and again, I, I, I say the same joke. It doesn't matter the, the numbers of zeros. It just matters, you know, how are we tracking this consistently um, and being able to being able to account for the dollars that are coming in. And again, it's not, oh, my gosh, I spent four dollars and 34 cents at, at, at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. It's, um, hey, you know, that's an appropriate expense right now on our budget. Look, we've done a good job of tracking this. That's an area where you have some grace. Go, go, go to Starbucks. Um, but if you, if you haven't done that, if you haven't tracked, that can cause and be an area of, of stress. Hmm. Um, just a, a personal question I'm interested. How often do couples just flat out get in a fight in front of you? They haven't been able to talk about this before in many cases, or one or the other of the spouse has sort of, dominated by default how often do you just you just witness warfare and and you're kind of become a counselor i'm just curious yeah it's it's pretty consistently and and it's really it's not like we, it's not the all-out fight it's the awkward fight it's like you're the third person in the room and you're watching this happen and you're kind of wishing you could back away but it's the you know little <laughs> comments that maybe shot across the table and, and you're trying to trying to play referee a little bit um, but that goes back to that communication piece, right? If we, if we haven't accurately and consistently communicated these areas in the budget that are that are difficult for us um, are going to be as if someone's shooting arrows directly at us. Um, so 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 this is an area to where yes, you you do have those those awkward tense moments within, <laughs> within conversations, and and you have to kind of navigate your way your way through that. I have a chapter that I often reread in a pastoral theology book of mine on emergency couples counseling and so i'd I'd be glad to send that chapter over to you if that would supplement your work jason (laughs) quite seriously um you mentioned uh, i think there's a third uh common mistake that people make contrary to god's word with their finances yeah, and this one won't be a surprise, and, and most of us to hear, but it's it, it's it's going going head over heels in debt. Um, you know, the, it, biblically it talks about you know the borrower is a slave to the lender, and that is that is absolutely true. And it is you know, Mike, you you and I have talked about you know through through this course that the differences in a kingdom economy, but mm-hmm. it it is actually sad that in our economy we have to go in debt. In order to better ourselves financially, if you think about your credit score and your credit rating, mm-hmm. it is based on your ability to pay debt. And if you haven't taken any debt out, you have a low credit score. Um, so, yeah, so we, we learned our, our oldest son, we counseled to not ever get a credit card in addition to debit card in college. And then we learned the hard way. Therefore, he had no credit score when it was time to lease his first apartment. So it's how do we how do we navigate this this worldly you know and it's like our faith too we talk about this we talk about this in uh, in services right how do how do we be in the world but not of the world so how, how do we do that financially how how do we mm-hmm. live in this world that requires these certain things but understand that our finances aren't of this world it's for a, a greater a greater purpose and you can see that if we're not accurately communicating if we're not effectively communicating as a family then we're probably aren't effectively budgeting. And if we're not budgeting and accounting for our costs, it's going to lead to additional debt. Um, and, and God doesn't want that 
for our lives, right? We we want mm-hmm. we do not want to go through our life with with a closed fist, and, and I talk about that all the time. And yeah, with a sense the wolf is at the door constantly. Yeah, and especially in 2020, right? So so if we've yeah we've been able to prepare ourselves financially, we can open that hand to God and say, hey, you know who who's in our path right now? Hey, you know, look, I've got this two hundred dollars. It's committed to college. It's committed to retirement. It's committed to a new car. But I'm going to be open with this, and if you put somebody in my life who needs that today, you know, I want to be able to do that. And, and, mm-hmm. and managing the debt and communicating and budgeting properly allows us to open mm-hmm. that hand to God, and allows Him to move within our finances. And and I, I don't I don't see these as weaknesses. I'm glass half full kind of guy. So yes, so I you are. These, are. these are opportunities, right? These are opportunities in our finances that that we can we can lean into Christ, and we can say, Hey, come work, come move in this challenge area. Because everything to you is never a weakness. It's always an opportunity. It's always greatness. So let's insert him in this this place and help him bring us together as a couple or as an individual and move our heart and our money in the same direction. Jason, I love that about you. If I can drill a little bit more because your experience set is unique to the rest of us and it's helpful to hear you talk about this. What are the reasons that you some of the more common, you're not speaking of any one individual client, but... Right. What are, what are some of the most common temptations into debt that you see uh, individuals or couples succumbing to that then enslaves them? What? Yeah, I would, I would say that the biggest one you would think, you know, if you, if you kind of hear your know, numbers and, and things like that, you, you would think it would be mortgage debt. Um, but I would really tell you it's how they interact with their children and the, the opportunities Really, um, kind of quote unquote, that they give their children. Mm-hmm. Um, when you add up on a on a weekly, monthly, daily basis, and we are all guilty of this, right? But how much does that extra soccer program? How much does that extra baseball program, basketball program, travel baseball, all that? How much does that really add up to at the end of end of a year? Um, those are one of the one of the areas we give ourselves permission. Right. We give ourselves permission to do those things because it's bettering our children. And that is a that is a great opportunity for them. But it can also be a great challenge. Um, And then the others are the big ticket items, you know, buying, you know, overbuying in in, in a house to where it's where we're we're a bit restricted on what we can do or overbuying in a car payment. Um, That is a huge one um, that we see a number of times. Um, Cars are wonderful. I'm a car guy. I love that. Um, But there's a. (laughs) But they're depreciating assets, right? It's, yes. it's a stock that you that you buy today, and it's guaranteed to go down as soon as you drive it off the lot in ten minutes by twenty percent. That's a that's a bad investment. Um, so so how do we how do we maintain that? You, you've joked about Mike about your car, how you how you found one that you wanted and it was right price, and that's that's where where we have to you know pause and kind of look at those three areas of our life and say, hey, where where are we where are we at here, and and, and how do we have a, a good communication, an honest conversation with ourselves? Angie and I are making decisions together communicating about the fact that we're gonna we're going to purchase um fairly low budget used cars gives us therefore like every now and then somebody will tell me a a car payment amount that that floors me that they're paying and and you know in my mind i'm like well thank you lord for your word that informed angie and i at a young age and then there's a little bit of sense of I'm super happy when I get in my little Hyundai. I, I'm aware I'm driving this so that I can purchase investment in our future, say the retirement. Uh, I can purchase 
our life goals, which I've been very open for Angie and I, that's international travel, paused for the pandemic. I can purchase those things that we just love. This is why a, a budget is a is a values document, um, and it helps a couple discuss v- value for money, and and come together on it. And so we choose. We're not gonna. I, I'd much rather go do these other things, invest in these other things, or our child's education. That was huge value for us for many years. Um, Jason, if I could flip it. Uh, well, first of all, your first answer was surprising to me about the number one reason people go into unwise debt. And, right. and it fits with every now and then you'll hear me, and people don't like it when I say this, that the number one false idol in North Charlotte is child worship. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would have to agree with you on that, Mike. Well, and it sounds good, right? Yeah. Uh, the evil one wants us to, to wants to quote God's truth and then just shift it to three degrees. It's what he did when he tempted Jesus in the desert. Right. He was quoting God's word to Jesus and then yep. shading it. Uh, and of course, we should invest in our kids. But but I, for me, a metric. I don't know how do you talk about this with your clients. If I'm not actually giving a first 10% to God and at least the next 10% to my future self and savings, then then that's my limit of I can't invest more in, in my kids' stuff right now. Right. Uh, that It's sort of embracing limitations or limits. I, I don't – how do you talk with people about that? Yeah, I would say that you know every family has, has different goals, and they have those goals for, for – different reasons there there may have been someone who um you know were never given those opportunities as as a child to to do those so Mm -hmm. they may go above and beyond um for their children so um again it's 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 kind of like budgeting it's not the act that every act is wrong there's a balance in in what we do um you know if our if our finances are are low um given every opportunity and in, in kind of that that child worship that you said um i thought it was a great way to way to say that um is fine but we also can't go out and buy you know but $120,000 Mercedes Benz you know there has to be there has yeah. to be a balancing act within our budget so gives in one area this means we've got to kind of take in a, in a few others and um you know we'll talk about maybe some strengths in a minute but you know seeking counsel in that and having those those goals out there and that awareness will help you you know, through that balancing act. Well, that's, and I think, I think people want to do the right thing. They want to do the right thing with their money. Um, they just may not be educated enough or, or, ha- or given enough opportunities to, to take that. Right. So we, we know we shouldn't eat the donut, but man, it, it looks really good sitting right there beside <laughs> me. So I know I should, I know I should work out, but it hurts a little bit when those yeah. muscles are sore. And, and I think people need that opportunity to stretch that financial muscle a little bit, get it a little sore. And once you do, then that soreness goes away. A strength of the millennial generation is they're actually, uh, have a more teachable posture toward wisdom from older mm-hmm. generations than Gen Xers did or baby boomers. Baby boomers were like, forget all y'all. Um, so I think that's a real strength. And, and so you need to keep talking, Jason. Let's finish. Paint us a picture of what are some of the best habits of some of your clients that lead to flourishing in their lives that where their treatment of their money cooperates with Jesus offer of abundant life. 
so I would say I would say line item one and line item one a, and we we talked about this bit a bit in in budgeting is is uh, or in in the weaknesses is to one openly communicate and to seek wise counsel, seek mm. wise counsel early and often. Mm. Um, it th- talks about that as well in Proverbs yeah. um, about, you know, wise men surrounds themselves with, with wise advisors. Um, so, so seeking counsel. And I, I think I see a lot of people are fearful in this area. Um, okay. One, because of, of their weaknesses, you know, we never want to go around telling everybody our weaknesses, right? We want to boast about our strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would say seeking wise counsel early and often um, because it, it helps them make smart decisions financially. And if you can have someone on your staff who's helping you support you in making these wise decisions consistently, it's an accountability partner. Hmm. Um, and then secondly, like I said, open communication. Um, you know, if you if it, kind of going back to what I said about the budgeting, if we are on the same page as a family and we know the direction that we're heading, we've seen we seek advice about smart financial decisions. It's going to lead to grace in other areas of our life that may be sticking points had we not openly communicated the extra expense here, the extra travel there, the extra kid expense here. Those things can be allowed within a budget with grace if we've openly communicated and we're on the same page uh, about those items. That is super um, another, clear, another Jason. Another strength is, is just tracking goals consistently. Um, this sounds like we're, we're talking about you know training for sports, um, <laughs> but, but I guess probably two decades ago, Brinson did a study about Harvard graduates, um, and uh, they tracked how they wrote their goals down. I don't think we're all this disciplined. Um, there are some nerds out there, including myself, that we kind of do this, but 96% of the individuals in the study accomplished their goals. 4% didn't. Those 96% wrote those goals down consistently and reviewed them. Um, you don't have to be a math, math wisdom or 96% of a hundred is better than 4%. So, yeah. um, if, if we can, you know, even you, you talk about travel, Mike, you know, if you have a goal as a family and you put that picture of your family up at Disney on the refrigerator and, you know, little Johnny comes by Saturday morning and says, Hey, Hey dad, how, how close are we to going to Disney? That's that's a pretty solid accountability partner right there, right? So, <laughs> so if Dad's going to a golf trip on Saturday for a hundred bucks, and little Johnny's asking him about Disney World, it, you know, that's that's a pretty hard conversation, right? So, um, openly communicating with the family and teaching your kids young to have these conversations. They don't need to know how you're refinancing the mortgage, but they have to have these types of, of pieces built into their lives early so that, that they can have a legacy. Um, I'll give you, and we may be going long here a bit, but I'll give you one quick insider that Great. I learned Great. Um, from an LFC member um, was very impactful in, in my approach with clients. And the conversation with the family was, we're not leaving a lot of money. And they had they have a pretty significant amount we're not leaving a lot of money. Our money is the legacy that we have today hmm. with our kids. And it was teaching them to be responsible with the money they had and giving them life experiences with those dollars that they could do as a family. And I, I, I thought that was very, very important because sometimes I'm laser focused on, on how we're growing wealth. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, that I think was, was, was good. So what are those goals that you have as a family and how are you tracking those consistently? Small, medium, or large. It doesn't matter what those goals are. Um, successful people do that consistently with their finances in their own personal life. Jason, that's super clear. Thank you for that. I have one final yes. question. 
how do you and your wife Lindy do with with money conversations personally? Yeah, so so uh, even though I'm a financial planner, she is way smarter than I am. So I defer everything to her. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, so 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 we're just like any other couple. I mean, every couple, and that's what I said. Every couple have their gives and takes, and we try to openly communicate about the goals that we have, um, and we pray about those goals. Um, you know, if you <laughs> and you do it, seek counsel, Jason. You sought my counsel about a house decision. Yes, you, you guys absolutely. thought about. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't make a decision in in a knee jerk moment. You sought my counsel. You sought others. I, I admired that. Yeah, and that 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 decision has been huge in our life, and and you you have been very impactful in that. And um, you know, I think you know, with Lindy and I, that's that's been a big conversation. Is how do we how do we navigate these conversations with wanting to help your kids consistently, but also pulling back a little bit and helping them understand the value of, of hard work and sacrifice and. And those other things, um, probably the same way as every other couple, right? Um, <laughs> we just you know, try, try to do it consistently. Yeah. Well, Jason, this has been delightful uh, and very informative to hear your point of view because of the role you play in so many people's lives. Thank you for that. Thank you for a bit of counsel you've given me a couple of points in the last couple of years. I appreciate that. And just thanks for... You guys uh, being ministry partners at Lake Forest and um, uh, being a part of why I love this church. <laughs> Just faithful well, I, people I, trying I to follow Jesus. More, yeah, More than you know, I, I try to tell you that every, every time we interact, I love what you do and what you guys are doing in the community. And, and I would tell you, thank you for doing this type of in-depth work as it relates to finances. I think oftentimes we just talk about finances in terms of tithing, right? Mm -hmm. And that is, that is very important. Um, but this is getting to the heart of the matter of, of how we can better ourselves as Christians and align our dollars with our heart um, and, and move that towards Christ. So I appreciate you guys tackling this topic and, and, and Mike being just as awesome as you are uh, every day. So thank you. <laughs> That's super kind. Uh, my boys not, might not do all the, those awesome words for me because to your exact <laughs> well, example— You're never going to be quite up there, right? So. Well, your exact example earlier, Angie and I, we were clear with our goals. And so <laughs> our boys <laughs> our boys jokingly say they, they grew up in, uh, uh, in an abusive home because <laughs> they only spent one day of their entire lives at Disney— uh, because Angie and I prioritize international travel for ourselves. <laughs> I'm like, you can, hey, hook, hey, that's fine. <laughs> you can hook yourself up with that for the rest of your life. Um, little quirk in our own budgeting. Uh, hey, good to talk with you. Harrison, thanks again for co-hosting with me. And we will see all of you or, or we'll hear all of you uh, next week. Bye.